We're in a series called Tis the Season. Our title today is Tis the Season to Stop Being Mad at God. If you have your Bible, would you turn to 1 Kings chapter number 19? If you don't, the scriptures will pop up on the screen. We will be in 1 Kings 19 for the entirety of our time together today. The only thing that I'm disappointed about, you know, it's on days like these, I... I I told Shelby just a few minutes ago in the office, I said, you know, I should have preached Tis the Season to Forgive one more time. And just told him, y'all needed to hear it one more time anyways and save this. Because the only thing about this message, I feel like it really is a word from God to minister to so many people. And so encourage your friends, your family that are struggling, that have hostility towards the Lord, that are upset and mad about things in their life and blaming God. Encourage them to get online and listen to this message. And I really believe it will be a blessing to their life. First Kings chapter number 19 and verse number 4 says this, talking about we're looking at the life of Elijah today. The scripture says, while he himself went a day's journey into the desert, talking about Elijah, he came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have, notice this, I have had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. Have you ever been there before? <laughs> well, you just say, God, I've had enough. I mean, enough is enough. I'm mad. I'm, I'm frustrated. And Elijah said to God, God, I have had enough. He's, he's frustrated. He's upset with God. He's had enough. Matter of fact, he is so disillusioned that he wants to end his life. He wants his life to end. He is ready to absolutely die and end his life. Elijah, he was actually dealing with a great deal of pressure a great deal of fear, and we're going to unpack his life in a few moments and study a little bit more about all that he was going through. But you know what amazes me? It's really amazing what pressure can do to a person. It's amazing what anxiety, when you're gripped with anxiety and fear, it's amazing what it can do to a person. It's amazing what, 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 what a person, when they're dealing with a great deal of stress, it's amazing what it can do to, to a person. And Elijah, as he was dealing with fear, and his heart was gripped with fear and dealing with the pressures of life. And it's amazing that he got so disillusioned. Not only was he mad at God and said, God, I have had enough, but the gentleman wanted to end his life. We're talking about a man of God ready to die. And the question that I want us to answer today is, what do you do? How do you respond when you're mad at God? How, how do you get over when you're so disillusioned you're ready not only to die, but you're upset and you're pointing your finger at God and saying, God, I have had enough. How do you get over that, those feelings? Let's look at, the, look, let's look at that today. I, I want to give you today five keys to defeating disillusionment. And the reason I talk about that being disillusioned is because people that are mad at God, that's just a symptom. The, the, the root of the problem it's something that's taking place internally. And if you're mad at God and you're upset at God and you're pointing your finger at God, something in life has got you disillusioned because now you have the wrong perception of your Heavenly Father. You're looking at your earthly circumstances and you've got disillusioned and you're pointing your finger at God. So I don't want to deal with your, your anger at God. I want to deal with the fact that you're disillusioned. And how do you get over and defeat disillusionment? Because if you can defeat it, you can now have a different view of your heavenly Father. Number one is this, how to defeat disillusionment. Number one, realize bad things happen to good people. You really have to grasp that, understand that. Bad things do happen to good people. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse number 1, Now Ahab told 
Jezebel, everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Notice verse 3. Elijah was afraid. His heart was gripped with fear and ran for his life. When it came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. He was so gripped with fear, he ran for his, his life. Let me take you back a couple of chapters earlier. In 1 Kings chapter 17, I want you to see how powerful of a man of God he was. He was at the widow's house um, there in 1 Kings chapter 17, and the widow's son had died. And Elijah was such a man of God. He, the God's hand was so on his life. He was so anointed by the power of God that the Bible says God used Elijah and Elijah raised this little boy back from the dead. He was dead and he came back to life. I'm talking about that's a man of, of the Lord that God is using in a mighty way. You flip over to 1 Kings chapter 18, the very next chapter, and, and the Bible lets us know that the children of Israel, they were off course and now they were worshiping Baal. They were worshiping false gods. And, and Elijah challenged the 450 prophets of Baal, the people that are worshiping false gods. He, he challenged these prophets and said, okay, you're worshiping Baal. Here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to find out who's serving the true and real God. What we're going to do is prepare an altar and some sacrifices. And, and I want you to call out to your little G God and, and see if he answers you. And then I'm going to call out to my God. And whoever's God, God answers with fire from heaven is serving the real God. And the prophets of Baal, all day long, they were calling out to their God. They were screaming to their God. Scripture says they were cutting themselves. They were trying to get in tune with their false gods to no prevail all day long, and nothing happened. And then Elijah, he had such a relationship with God. He was so intimate with God. He was so close to God. At the end of the day, he just called out to his heavenly Father. And God answered, and he sent fire from heaven upon the sacrifice, and Elijah defeated 450 prophets of Baal. I'm talking about a powerful man of God, raising the dead, calling fire from heaven. And then you flip over to the next chapter, in chapter number 19, and now we find Elijah, the powerful man of God, running from one woman. I mean, there must have been a bad woman. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know that a mean woman can do something to a man. I mean, you know that boy. I mean, here Elijah is running from one mean woman. And can you imagine what Elijah is thinking? God, I'm your man. God, everything that I've done, I've done it under your authority. I've done it under your command. Your hand is on my life. I'm your prophet. You're using me. God, I've been doing good for your kingdom. So why in the world is this woman trying to kill me? I'm your prophet. I'm your man. I love you. Why is a good man going through bad things? Why is a good man, his life is in jeopardy that makes no sense? God, what in the world's going on? I love you. And my life's in jeopardy. And what you have to grasp is that bad things do happen to good people. The first and very, the most primary reason bad things happen to good people is, is because we live in a fallen world. And sin has been ushered into our world. You see, you have to understand, and some of you may not grasp this yet, you have to understand that when God created the heavens and the earth, and he made man and woman, God 
never intended for this world to be what it is today. He never intended for there to be a shooting in a mall in, in, in Omaha, Nebraska this week. That was not God's plan. And God created Adam and Eve, placed them in the garden. It was a perfect place. No sin, no sickness, no death, no natural disasters. I mean, it was a perfect place. But Adam and Eve made a decision to disobey God. And when Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, disobeyed God, it ushered sin into our world. And because of sin, there are many, many consequences because of their disobedience. And so today we deal with sickness and we deal with hostility and we deal with diseases. We deal with natural disasters. And it goes all the way back because a man and a woman disobeyed God and ushered into our world what we see today. And many people point the finger at God, and they're angry at God, and they're mad at God, and the natural disaster, and the tornado, and God, I'm mad at you. And all along, it was because of of man's disobedience that ushered all that into our world, and God had nothing to do with that. That was not his plan. There are, are some today that are Christ followers, they're Christians, and they're mad at God, and because of things that have happened in their life. And, and what you have to understand is this. There's, there's a principle in the Bible that, that it is what it is. I don't necessarily like it, but, but it is what it is. And this principle is this. A man reaps what he sows. And there are people who love the Lord, but they get off track and they start doing evil. They start having bad motives and they start doing things they shouldn't do. And they begin to sow negative things. They begin to sow sinful actions. And the Bible says when you sow something that you will reap it. And so people sow negativity. They love the Lord. They got off track and they're sowing sin. They're sowing sin. And the next thing you know, they begin to reap a harvest from the seed that they sow. And now they're mad at God. God, I can't believe this happened in my life. Why does this go on? God, why is this, tra- why is this happening? And all along, it's because of, the, of their own, the, own, the, the seed that they had sown in their life, and they reaped a harvest from it. And then they point their finger and get mad at God. And God says, I had nothing to do with that. But what you have to understand, because we live in a fallen world, bad things do happen to good people. There's a, a second thing. If you want to defeat disillusionment, number two is this. You have to stop focusing on your feelings and start focusing on the facts. You see, focusing on your feelings can cause you to become so disillusioned and even cause you to get, become mad at your heavenly father. And that's exactly what happened to Elijah? Listen in First Kings chapter 19 and verse number 4. The middle of that verse says, He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Notice this. Notice his feelings. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. That's exactly how he felt. Elijah felt like he could not take anymore. He felt like dying. He felt mad and upset. At God. That was his feelings. And how many of you realize that feelings are very unreliable? <laughs> Matter of fact, our, our feelings oftentimes don't line up with the facts. Now, even as your pastor, let me just confess and be transparent with you. There are days the man of God, the preaching the word of God and seeking God and leading a church. There are days I wake up, I don't feel saved. Anybody else with me today? I mean, I don't feel safe. I, 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 don't, feel, I don't feel close to God. I, I don't feel great intimacy and connection with God. And, and, and my, my feelings just say, I don't feel like I know the Lord very well. 
And that's how I feel. But the fact of the matter is, God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into this world, who lived a perfect and sinless life. He died on the cross for my sins and your sins. He rose again on the third day with all power in his hands. And I have placed my absolute faith. I have placed my absolute trust. I have given my life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And no matter how I feel, the fact is I'm saved. The fact is my name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. The fact is I'm a king's kid. I belong to God. I'm his child. No matter how I feel, the fact is I know the Lord and I am his. Feelings are very unreliable. There are even days I wake up and I love my bride and my wife and I, and we're celebrating a a great, great monumental moment this year in our life. We're celebrating 10 years of marriage in December. December the 20th is our is our wedding anniversary. We're excited about that. And, and there are days after being married 10 years to my, my beautiful bride that I wake up and I don't feel married. I, just don't, I don't feel married. And I, I've never tried this with my wife, but, but if I leaned over with my wife when I woke up in the morning, I said, baby, you know what, today, I don't feel like I'm married to you. She said, well, Bumper, let me tell you something. You are married whether you feel like it or not. Matter of fact, and I've had your three kids. You are married to me. No matter how you feel, you're married. You got three kids, and they're your responsibility, Bubba. I don't care how you feel. The fact is, you got a covenant with me. And it doesn't matter how I feel. Feelings are very unreliable. You got to get in control of your feelings and get them lined up with the facts. You see, today you may feel like, I don't understand why. These things have happened in my life, and I I just don't feel very loved. Nobody really likes me, all that I've been through. And the fact is this, God loves you. He loves you just like you are. You can't do anything to make God love you more. God loves you. I don't care how you feel. The fact is, God loves you just like you are. Your feelings may be running rampant today, and you feel like a loser, and you feel like a nobody, and you feel like your life is not headed in a good direction. I mean, chaos has happened in your life, and you feel like life is not worth living. And the truth of the matter is, the fact is, God has a plan for your life. God has nothing but good intentions towards you. God does not want to harm you or hurt you. He has nothing but good for your life. That's the truth. God is good all the time, and all the time. God is good. And you've got to get your feelings lined up with the facts. And whenever you start being driven by your feelings, you find yourself just like Elijah. I have had enough and I'm ready to die. God, I'm mad. Because you're focused on your feelings and not the facts. Number three is this. There's a, a third key to defeating disillusionment. Now, come on, church. Now, I know there's nothing but 50 of you out there, but you got to help to preach a little bit. I'm preaching today. Now, help me out there a little bit. All right. All right. Just fake it if you have to out there. Amen. All right. Part number three. There's a, a, a third key to defeating disillusionment. Number three is this. Stop exaggerating the negative. Stop exaggerating the negative. First Kings chapter 19 and verse number 10 says, This is talking about Elijah when he replied back to the Lord. He says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broke down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. Now notice what he says. Notice how he begins to exaggerate the negative. He says, I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah had a bad case of the poor old me's, And whenever people are disillusioned, 
they tend to exaggerate the negative. When people are disillusioned, everything looks bad. Have you ever met anybody that they think everybody's out to get them? Everybody's out to get me. No, Nobody likes me. Everybody's against me. And they look at life and everything they look at stinks. I mean, everything is, is negative. They're, they're, they're a pessimist. And, and that was exactly Elijah's problem. He was exaggerating the negative. I mean, listen to what Elijah said to God. God, I'm the only one left. Everybody in all Israel has bowed their knee to Baal. They're all worshiping false gods. I'm the only one that really loves you. I'm the only one that's serving you, God. I'm the only prophet you got left, and they're trying to kill me now. God, I don't know what you're going to do, Lord, if they kill me, because I'm the only one you got. He was exaggerating. He was exaggerating the negative. Matter of fact, listen to what God tells Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 18. God said to Elijah, who thinks he's the only one left, probably realizes he's not, but he's exaggerating the negative and has himself believing a lie. And listen to what God tells Elijah. Yet I reserve 7,000 in, in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. God said to Elijah, quit exaggerating the negative. Quit making things worse than they really are. Elijah, it's bad, but it's not that bad. And you're exaggerating the negative. I mean, we're not going to pick on Elijah today because we've all been there. I mean, have you ever said this or thought this? Nobody's been through what I've been through. You ever thought, I'm the only person in the whole wide world that's experienced this kind of pain? Nobody, nobody can relate to what I've been through. Oh, it's bad. What I've been through is, it's really, really bad. And you're so focused on the negative and you start exaggerating the negative and I'm not trying to minimize your pain. I'm not trying to minimize your circumstances or situation. But if you're not careful, you'll start blowing it up and you'll start exaggerating the negative and the next thing you know, uh, the, the, oh, oh, Elijah's so depressed, he's so down in the dumps because he's exaggerated the, the, the negative and now he feels like I'm the only one left. Nobody can relate to me. God, I'm the only one trying to serve you. And he finds himself disillusioned. And angry at God. Point number four. There's a, a fourth thing that I, I want you to see on defeating disillusionment. Number four is this. Don't play the compare game. Don't play the compare game. And boy, I, I struggle with this. I think many of God's people struggle here at point number four. They, they like to play the compare game. First Kings chapter 19 and verse 4 Let's go back to this scripture and look at it from another angle. The middle of that verse says, He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. Notice, notice what he says. I am no better than my ancestors. Elijah began to compare himself to other people. And friends, when you compare, it leads to despair. When you compare... It leads to despair. Elijah said, he began to compare himself to others. He says, I'm no better than my ancestors. And he began to compare himself to other people, and that made him feel like a nobody. Matter of fact, it made him feel like dying. It made him feel like quitting in life. It made him feel like a loser. And some of you today, you're, you're mad at God. You're angry at God. And some of you, the primary reason that you're mad at the Lord is because you compare yourself to other people. And you sit around and 
you play mind games with yourself and you look at them and you say, boy, if I, well, if I had what they had, things would be different for me. Well, if I, if I had the job they had and if I had the spouse they had, my, my life wouldn't be like it is. And, and you look at them and you compare and you begin to think, you know what? You know, I, I've been through all of this stuff and look at them. They haven't been through anything that I've been through. And, and then you start warp, getting warped in your thinking and you start thinking, and, and I'm a good person and look at them. Look at how they, they deserve bad. And you start, you start playing these compare games and you start thinking to yourself, well, if I, if I had the breaks, they, I mean, they've had break after break. If I had the breaks they had, things would be different for me. And you start playing the compare game, and you start feeling like a loser, and you start feeling defeated, and you feel like giving up on life. You start shaking your fist at God, God, if things were different for me, and if I would just be like them, and... Friends, can I tell you the compare game is so dangerous? L let me tell you why comparing yourself to other people is so dangerous. Because the majority of the time, we compare our weaknesses to their strengths. We compare our setbacks to their victories. Oftentimes, we compare our failures to their successes. And, and we look at them and we see our weaknesses. We see their strengths. We see our setbacks and problems. And we see their victories. And, and we, we see our failures. And we, we see their successes. But, friends, the raw reality is this. If you get to know them, if you start talking to them, you'll find out that they got weaknesses. You'll find out that they got failures. You'll find out that they've got setbacks and problems. It's not, the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. You're just playing the compare game, and it's not even fair comparing your weaknesses to their strengths. And now you're down in the dumps because you're comparing yourself to other people. You're mad at God, and you're disillusioned. And friends, you've got to stop playing the compare game to overcome disillusionment and get over your anger at the Lord. Point number five. And really, this is probably the most important point. The other points are, are very crucial. But point number five actually is where you need to start. And I could have made this point number one, but I decided to close with this. But it's the most important point to get up, getting over your disillusionment and your anger at the Lord. Number, number five is this. Communicate with God. So simple but so necessary. Communicate with God. Let's go back to our scripture again in 1 Kings 19 and verse number 4. It says, He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed. Now, I haven't had you respond back as I normally do and like to keep you engaged and have you say different things throughout the message, and I haven't had you do that very much today. Uh, but I want you to do it with me. I'm going to ask you to say something back to me. And there's not very many of you here today, so I can watch and see if you're participating today. So come on, everybody participate today. Everybody say, He prayed. I want you to really catch that. That, that is so key. He, he prayed. Listen to his prayer. He prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. He prayed that he might die. Aren't you glad that God doesn't give us everything we asked for. I mean, hey, man, I'm glad. I mean, here it is. I mean, listen to this prayer. God just killed me, Lord. I mean, I'm glad. God doesn't give us everything we ask for. And here is Elijah praying a, a ridiculous prayer. Just kill me. I want to die. But you know what I love about this? There's some lessons we can learn from this. 
Elijah was real with God about how he felt. And you know what I want you to notice? As I was just looking at this, I noticed this. God didn't criticize Elijah for how he felt. He didn't condemn Elijah for expressing his feelings. You know what? We can be real with God. When you're angry, when you're upset, when you're mad, you're even mad at God. You don't understand. It's okay to close the door and get away. And the Bible says he prayed. God, I don't want to die. I have had enough, Lord. God wasn't intimidated. God can handle it. You know what? It's not like God doesn't know how you already feel if you don't say it. I mean, He is God. He does know your heart. He does know even the, the secret places and the secret things in your heart. I mean, He already knows. And Elijah is just real and he's, and he's open and he's honest with his, his heavenly Father. But, but there's a second thing that you have to understand. When you're disillusioned, you don't need to just talk to God, but you need God to speak to you. Please hear me. You need God to speak to you. And friends, God can speak to you through his word. It's a wonderful day today that we live in a world and society where we can have a copy of God's word. We can have a copy of the love letter written to you and I. We can have a copy of the inspired, infallible word of God to read for ourselves. Can I tell you, oftentimes God speaks to me through his word. As I read his word every day, he speaks to me, he guides me, he le- God speaks through his word. That's why you've got to read God's word. He speaks through his word. God can speak to you through his servant. And that's why we need to be at church and hearing God's word. I'm preaching to the choir right now. Anybody coming out in this weather, you, like, you love the Lord. Amen. I understand, but that's why we need church. Because God can speak through his servant. There have been many times I've got direction as, as, as God's servant was ministering and God spoke to me and, and ministered me through his servant. And friends, God can speak by the power of the Holy Spirit to your heart. He can speak to your heart. When you're disillusioned and you're upset and you're mad and you're confused, God can speak to your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 19, when Elijah was disillusioned, he was confused, he was mad, he was angry, he's ready to die. And I love this, 1 Kings 19, verse 11, the Lord said, how many know that's good all by itself? Amen. The, the Lord said, that's what you need. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. Elijah, what you need is to get in my presence. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. You know what I love about this? Is God can speak to a confused broken, disillusioned, suicidal man or woman, and he can get a hold of them with a gentle whisper. I mean, God can show up in the fire. Thank God for the fire moments. Thank God for the, the big bang and the thunder and the lightning and the earthquake. And God can, God can speak in, in big ways. But friends, God can speak to somebody ready to give up in life with a gentle whisper. And the Bible says... Came a gentle whisper when Elijah heard it. He pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? 
What are you doing? You're ready to die. You're, you're mad at God. You're disillusioned. You think you're the only one left. And God, what are you doing, Elijah? What are you doing? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. Now he begins to exaggerate the negative. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, don't miss that. The Lord spoke. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. And God speaks to a man who's suicidal, who's mad, who's disillusioned. And he says, Elijah, I still got a plan. <laughs> go, go anoint the king in Hazael. Go, go anoint him. Go anoint King Hazael and Aram. Go, I got a plan. There's still blood running warm through your veins, Elijah. For a reason, you still have the activity over your limbs. Your, your, your mind and brain is still functioning because, Elijah, I'm not through with you. You've been, you've been driven by your feelings, your, your disillusion, your, your focus on the negative. But, Elijah, I love you. I got a plan. Let me give you direction for your life. And through a still, gentle, small voice, the Lord speaks and offers a man hope. Gives a man direction. Gives a man ready to give up on life. A fresh start. And I'm telling you today, no matter what you've been through, no matter your pain, no matter your situation, you may be angry at God today. I want you to know He loves you. And He wants to speak to your heart. Just a gentle whisper can change your perspective. Just a gentle whisper can change your outlook. Just a gentle whisper can change everything. We're going to sing this song through. Would you open your heart up to God? Maybe you've been screaming out at God. Would you let God speak to you today? The Lord said to Elijah. Would you let God say something to you? Would you let the Holy Spirit minister to your heart today? Would you close your eyes in this place? Open your heart up. Let God speak through a gentle whisper to your heart today. Let's sing.